is up. Welcome back to the Outkick Bets podcast with me, your host, Jeff Clark, and it's NFL Week 2. I got the homie, Dan Z, here to help me break down some games. I have five bets. He's got four bets. Um, after after me and Dan uh, get through going or uh, go through all of our bets, I'm going to invite the homie, Scotty Markets. Um, or Scott Martin from Fox Business to give out his model-based picks. But me and Dan are going to do a deep dive into our picks, and uh, hopefully we're oppo on some like we are usually. I mean, we always find ways to argue about our picks and bicker and and get into a nice little back and forth. So I'm sure we'll have a lot of that in this podcast. Dan, you had a little bit of a bumpy week one after just lighting up the NFL in 2022. Are you confident entering week two? So the good news is, at least for the audience, of the picks that I gave out last week uh, on OutKick, I, I, I split. I went two and two. It wasn't a disaster. What was a disaster, though, as I mentioned, I'm in so many different versions of season-long type events. And one of them is that thing called the Mean Machine that you're in, where you pick, you know, you're given five games against the spread and you just you have to pick a side. Um, on all of them, I went one and four in that. Uh, I'm in a daily fantasy, a season-long daily fantasy where you set a new lineup every week, and there are winners weekly. But there's also like playoffs for the top scorers after 12 weeks. I finished 93rd out of 95 teams in that. Uh, there's I'm in another pick'em where you pick every single game against the spread, and it's just against everyone else. And same thing, weekly winners and season-long winners. I went seven and nine. Should have been eight and eight. Goddamn Buffalo Bills. We'll talk about that. My big money fantasy league, regular fantasy season long, lowest scoring team of the week out of 14 teams. Just, it, it just, it was not. I hate week one. I really do. Yeah. You uh, caught some bad breaks in, in the game that one of the games that we were oppo in, um, uh, Bucks, Vikings. Um, I, had a, I had actually a pretty strong week one. Went four and one in the circuit contest. My only loser was the Houston Texans. I hit the under in the Lions-Chiefs game, but uh, one of my two losers was the Chiefs' third-quarter money line, uh, which lost thanks to Kadarius Toney. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, the, the the Texans plus 10 at the Baltimore Ravens was a loser as well. Um, so 5-2 and two in, in, in podcast plays, 4-1 and one in the contest. So heading in the right direction, at least after week one. Um, yeah, that Vikings game was really a disaster for me. Uh because both of my losses came from that game. Not only was I on the Vikings, who lost the turnover battle 3 nothing, and managed to lose that game by only three points, despite losing the turnover battle 3 nothing, because they're a lot better than Tampa Bay. But I had TJ Hawkinson over on his receiving prop, with the thought being he was going to get a ton of targets, which he did. He had nine targets and eight catches. It was the first time in his career that he had eight catches for fewer than 60 yards. So the analysis was spot on. He got nine targets. He had eight catches. I needed those eight catches to turn into 48 yards, which is six yards a catch, which is not a high number, and they went for 35. It was the second lowest yards per catch of his entire career. Yeah, that would be one of the lower yards per catch in the entire NFL if that was extrapolated over a season. Second second lowest of his career. I thought you went over on that. Did he, he, He went backwards, right? Like I think I think he had a minus five yard catch. I I don't think you I, were ever over. You were you were short by what eight yards? 
Yeah, no, it was more. He, no, 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 more than that. I think it was forty-seven and a half, and he only had thirty-five. Oh, okay. All right. I I thought maybe maybe the number got down to thirty-nine, and I thought you went over based on that number, and I forgot what you gave on the podcast, but I could have swore he uh, he got negative yards on a catch, but I mean, he almost had to have based on his yards per catch. I, I wasn't watching every catch closely because I, you know, that was during the early window, so I'm trying to watch eight games or nine games whatever eight games whatever it was just frustrating frustrating week one but uh we did hit the titans thanks to mike vrabel kicking that field goal which was awesome uh, you love to see that as a plus three better team you bet down four they kick a field goal to make it a one-point game with two minutes left <laughs> just just awesome um, but still feel like the analysis was sort of on there like tennessee really stifled the saints which i sort of expected it to be kind of a low scoring game and then the other play was, what was the other play? Oh, the under in the uh, Cardinals commanders. Remember I told you they couldn't make that line low enough. And the only reason it got close was because of what I said and what I wrote up, which is the risk you run in a game like that is that one of the bad quarterbacks makes a terrible mistake that costs points, which is exactly what happened. Sam Howe fumbled and Arizona scooped and scored from the two yard line, which was the only reason it got close because the total ended up at what 35 or 36. I mean, it was under 30 points. Their offenses scored under 30 points as I sort of. So the thing and what I'm trying to say and what I've mentioned to you, and I think we talked about this, but like, you know, there are such things as like bad, like, you know, bad luck losses and lucky wins. And I felt like my analysis was actually pretty good and was where I wanted it to be. We just didn't get the results, but um, this wasn't one of those weeks where I have to go re retool the entire process. No, yeah, it's not a burn the tape week. It's just you got a little unlucky with turnovers and, and our least one head to head game and yeah, like the, the TJ Hawkinson beat is terrifying. Like that gives me kind of nightmare fool fuel. I really should have done his his catches. I, I they might not have been offered at that point, but that was the only thing I thought is like you know, if the if the whole analysis was based on him getting volume, I probably should have bet over on his receptions instead of on his yards. But I also did not expect him to have eight catches for less than 50 yards because that's insane. No, and I also think because of, like, all the um, gravitational pull of, of, of Justin Jefferson and, and that kid Jordan Addison looked good, um, there was a good chance that he could, he, he could get a, a deep seam route and – at least on one of the the eight catches he made, you know, I I think he just got unlucky. I don't, I wouldn't even, you know, like feel bad about not taking the receptions over the receiving yards. I'm actually, hopefully, it's not too soon. I'm looking at betting T.J. Hawkinson over forty nine and a half um, receiving yards on Thursday Night Football. That's at uh, DraftKings. It's at fifteen and a half on Pinnacle with just heavy juice on the over the middle of Philadelphia's defense is going through like a lot of transformation. They got rid of two starting linebackers and both starting safeties. Um, Mac Jones and Nicobe Dean got hurt. Yep. One of the guys they were counting on to step into one of those linebacking roles is now hurt. Is it too soon or would you go back to the well with TJ Hawkinson? I won't cause I'm, I'm the, the wounds fresh, but yeah. I don't, hate the play i actually find this thursday game quite interesting and DraftKings offers their up seven um promo which i like a lot which is if you bet the money line on either team if they lead by seven at any point in the game the bet cashes so 
you know, if there's an underdog you kind of like, which I kind of like Minnesota a little bit, essentially what you're betting is that Minnesota either wins the game or leads by seven at any point. And you're getting that at just the money line price, which is actually a great, a great deal, right? I mean, you're getting value on an underdog line. And I, this line has been creeping downward. It was seven and a half at one point. It's now six, which is interesting. Very interesting. I didn't, I was not impressed by the Eagles on Sunday at all. I didn't think they played very well. I didn't think Jalen Hurts played very well. Um, I thought they made Mac Jones look pretty competent. So their defense didn't appear to be the same unit that we saw last season, which, you know, has to be a little bit concerning uh, if you're them. Um, yeah, I, I'm I'm not going to go back to the well with the Vikings because, again, the wound is fresh. But, like, I might do, like, a promo type thing, like I just said, with the up seven. I'll probably take the Vikings with that. Yeah, I think I'm going to end up on the Vikings. I'm going to write something about it tonight or tomorrow. That'll be on outkick.com backslash betting. Um, like you said, the, the line movement is uh, suspicious. Like most of the money's coming in on the Eagles. Uh, the, the, the the Vikings looked like trash last week. Just They looked sloppy. Not they, they, they had some pretty good offensive efficiency. Justin Jefferson went off, but people are just hammering the, uh, the Eagles and not only is that not is that line not going through to seven and a half or eight, it's it's going down. So it's uh seems like the sports books want more more Eagles money. Um, so I might just put like a third or a half unit on the Vikings, but that's not one of the plays that I have um, locked and loaded and ready to talk about. Um, we'll get into the my plays actually right now. Um, my favorite look of the entire week is is the Detroit Lions. Um, probably a, a square side but after looking at the betting splits I think there's going to be some good two-way action on this game um it looks like the consensus number is Detroit minus five uh minus five and a half excuse me um it looks like cheap five and a halves uh I think ultimately though the uh, there's going to be good two-way action in this game. I think people are going to talk themselves into there's been too much line movement. The preseason look-ahead line was Lions minus two and a half. So it's a big overreaction to week one. I think the market's a little more wise to not overreacting uh, in week two. Um, there is going to be some public money on, on, the, on the Lions, but I just look at this as like an ultimate revenge game. I love the 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 momentum that Detroit's coming into this game with um, back-to-back wins, obviously um, spanning last season where they, they knocked off the Packers and then beating the defending champion uh, Kansas City Chiefs on the opening game of the season. So I think Detroit is going to be absolutely rocking. Um, this offense was great last year against the Seattle Seahawks. Seattle beat them 48-45, but... The Lions put up 45 points without DeAndre Swift and without Amon Saint uh, Amon Ross St. Brown, excuse me. Now, obviously, DeAndre Swift isn't on the team anymore, but I think they have an upgrade at running back by getting Jameer Gibbs, who looked just fantastic in week one. David Montgomery actually looked good um, from an efficiency standpoint. I know you gave out his um, over-rushing yards, which cash. And I think... Dan Campbell is just going to be able to use the momentum of beating the Chiefs and harness it to beating the Seahawks, who um, 
whose week four victory over Detroit last year was the difference maker and Detroit missing the playoffs and Seattle making the playoffs. So I think they got revenge in their mind. Dan Campbell off the extra prep is pretty good. Dan Campbell as a home favorite is very good. So I'm going with the Seahawks or the Lions to just massacre the Seahawks. I think this is going to be a double digit win. So any pushback? No, I, I think I think I should have stuck to what I thought going into the season, which is that Seattle is going to regress. I kind of talked myself into Seattle a little bit, um, which I'm disappointed in myself. But, you know, it was a team that won more games last year than they should have. And um, they got better in the offseason. So I kind of just kept, I was like, how could they possibly get worse? They got better. Um, but... You know, I think Geno Smith, a little bit smoke and mirrors. Their defense still stinks. I'm not a huge fan of the Lions like everyone else is. I think, you know, you're you're along with the, the crowd there. It's pretty high on the Lions. Um, it's a stay away from me, but I don't, I don't hate the look. Yeah, I was mediocre, neutral on the Lions, but after seeing them in week one and, you know, I was I was big into Dan Campbell. I think Jared Goff is a little underrated, and uh, I just like the momentum of that team. So I I, I guess I am a Lions stand at this point, and that's fair. Even though I still like the Packers and win that division. Um, but moving along to your uh, first pick, I don't know if it's your best pet, but your first pick uh, in week two, uh, my New York Giants visiting the Arizona Cardinals. Right now, the Giants on the consensus number is minus five and a half. Um, you're laying the points with the G-Men, right? So the Giants-Cowboys Sunday night game is basically one of those games where I'm going to completely throw it out, pretend like it didn't happen. I don't think we can glean really any information from it. The Giants, because of what they did with allowing Dallas's defense and special teams to score, were down so early and were forced to basically just huck the ball all game, which... Look, I don't think Daniel Jones is terrible, but I think we can all agree he's not great. And when you put him in a situation where he has to throw the ball, that's just not where the Giants want to be. Fortunately, they're not going to be in that situation in this game. There's going to be a lot of Saquon Barkley. They're going to run the ball a ton. I think the Cardinals still are terrible. Um, They kept it moderately close against Washington, although that was aided by a defensive touchdown as well. Um, They really, their offense didn't do anything in that game, as, as I would expect here. I expect the Giants' defense to be super angry. Um, about that game, especially because they didn't really do that much wrong. Like, again, they lost by 40 points, but their offense and special teams gave up 14 of those points. Um, so I think there's no reason this line shouldn't be at least a touchdown. I think there's value in the Giants minus only five and a half against what I think is the worst team. And like we talked about last week, Daniel Jones in primetime, man, it just it doesn't add up for him. But he's actually over 500 in his career during the day whereas he's 1-10 in in night games. So, yeah, I'm throwing out the Dallas game, but I like that the public thinks the Giants are terrible or whatever they think. Uh, I like that the Cardinals are just a touch inflated by a close game that really wasn't that close. Um, So I'm taking the Giants minus the points. Yeah, I don't have any stats or records to back this up, but I just feel like teams the week after they get just destroyed on prime time usually uh cover the spread again i don't have any like specific records or trends to back that up it's just a, a gut feeling that i have 
Um, and as a Giants fan, like I'm not really mad at Daniel Jones. I frankly, I think no one besides the concession workers at MetLife Stadium should be cashing a check. Like everyone should hold equal blame in that one. I guess I'd put more blame in the offensive line. I mean, you obviously watch the game every time Daniel Jones dropped back and hit his plant foot. He was getting hit right in the mouth. I mean, one of our uh, fellow writers talked about it, but like Micah Parsons went on his podcast earlier this week and was like, the Giants should have pulled Daniel Jones. And if yeah, you have that made no sense that they kept him in because they took Barkley out. Yeah. I mean, I would have like, I don't, I'm just a spiteful little shit. I would have had a punishment, kept them all on the field. Like, no, you guys, you guys figure out how to score. Or if, if we get shut out, then you're going to run laps around the, the stadium. Like I was, man, I was butthurt. I, me and my brothers get together every Sunday to watch the Giants, and we all were just like left the living room by time halftime. It was it was really one of the worst ass whoopings I've I've seen as a Giants fan. But whatever, I, I do like us to bounce back. But it wasn't though. That's the crazy thing. Like again, it was just so inflated. I mean, yeah, de- offensively the Giants were overmatched by the Cowboys' defense, but I don't think the Giants' defense played all that bad, considering. No, that's fair. But I think the score was much wider than the than the game or the talent gap or whatever you want to say. That the, the there's fairness in that opinion. It's just there's also the aspect where the Cowboys weren't challenged to do anything. Like if they sure. had to throw it deep, maybe they could have. <laughs> they could have just lit the Giants up. I don't know. Like they like if if you're gonna score on a special teams and and defense a touchdown, you're probably like Mike McCarthy's probably just us hand it off to Tony Pollard. Like whatever, we're gonna get out of here with an easy win. These guys didn't show up today. Yeah, and another I do have a record. It's not related to what you're talking about, but last year the Giants were eight one and one when Daniel Jones started against a non playoff team. So the Giants feast on bad competition, and I feel pretty good predicting that the Arizona Cardinals are going to miss the playoffs this season, um, which, again, like I said, the Giants absolutely feasted on non-playoff teams last year. Yeah, pretty sure I heard a stat this morning that the Giants were 7-0 and following against the spread following a loss last year as well. So got those trends. I mean, the Giants up. were great against the spread last year in general. Um, yeah. I won a lot of money, as I've mentioned many times. And if I'm not mistaken, their only loss to a non-playoff team last year was actually Detroit, which was a near-playoff team. So teams like teams like the Cardinals, they tend to roll over. Um, I like the Giants a lot. If you're going to do, if you're someone who enjoys parlays, I think the Giants are absolutely in play as a as part of a favorites parlay. I think they're in play as a survivor. Although you should not listen to me about that because I'm out of survivor. Forgot to. Forgot to mention that. Also out of Survivor, thanks to the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah, it was a bad week one. So maybe you should just not listen to me. <laughs> hey, you were 62% last year. I have all the confidence in the world you're going to rally. Uh, Giants. 50% this year. Not bad. I mean, you go 3-1 uh, and one this week, and you're uh, with the juice above a winning rate. Giants were 7-0 against the spread last year, covering by an average of 8.1 points per game in those uh, matchups and I think I will I, I had Washington last year uh, last week as my survivor pick I think I'm just going to go back to the well and, and fade the Cardinals and it's as much like this game is 
as much of a must win in week two as there possibly could be, right? <laughs> like, Yeah, that's the only downside to that is that's sort of like the one concern is like, are the Giants going to be tight in week two, feeling like we can't lose to the Cardinals and play not to lose as opposed to to win, which, I mean, I guess if you're doing Survivor or Parlay, you just need them to win. But when you're giving five and a half, you'd like the team to show up and, and try to make a statement. I'm hoping they're more in that mode, like the pissed off mode of like, we're going to go out here and we're going to make a fucking statement as opposed to like, we can't lose this game. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And I think they will, but you know, I'm not going to put money on it. Instead, I'll just use it as a Survivor um, play. But that's a double whammy as a Giants fan, though, right? Like, if they were to lose this game, you got knocked out of Survivor, and the Giants started 0-2 with a loss to the Cardinals. Yeah, it might, yeah, it might get me to switch teams. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'd never bolt on the Giants, but that would be that would be terrible. And I have a uh, uh, a hard and fast rule where I do not bet the Giants in, in, in the contest. I did bet them against the Cowboys. Ugh. Uh, all right, going on to my second pick. This is definitely being my contest. Baltimore Ravens at the Cincinnati Bengals. I'm laying it with the Bengals. Um, I took the Browns last week against the Bengals. Browns humiliated the Bengals. Right now, the consensus line is like minus three and a half. You can get a cheap minus three and a half at DraftKings, PointsBet, FanDuel, all the all the big um, legal U.S. shops. So that's good. Um, honestly, I would take it up to four and a half because Baltimore is by far the most injured team in the NFL right now. Um, they could be without five starters this week. We'll see. Um, right now, Tyler Linder, Linderbaum, their center, uh, Ronnie Staley, uh, Marlon Humphrey and Marcus Williams all missed practice on Wednesday. Uh, well, Marcus Williams tore his pack. He, he will not be playing this week. Uh, Mark Andrews is questionable to play. He missed week one. Um, J.K. Dobbins tore his Achilles, so he won't be out there. They can make up for J.K. Dobbins. Um, but I think all these injuries, um, plus I make the Bengals, um, I make them two points better than Baltimore on a neutral field. It's uh, obviously a, a Cincy home game, so let's add two points to that. Should be minus four with the injuries. I take it down to four and a half, maybe even five. So I'm comfortable laying it with the Bengals because uh, Burrow's just coming off his worst game. You can fade some recency biases with that. Also, Baltimore covered um, and beat Houston 25-9. But if you paid attention to that game, which I'm assuming most of you didn't unless you had money on it, um, like me, Baltimore's offense wasn't good. You know, it was a rookie quarterback, rookie head coach, and their first game um, on the road in Baltimore, which is a sneaky, tough place to play against Harbaugh, who's one of the better coaches in the NFL. So, I don't, I don't take much for that win for, from that win for for Baltimore. Also, Baltimore's defense just can't do what Cleveland's did to Cincinnati. Like Cleveland's. Got sick pass rushers. Miles Garrett was just an animal last week. Denzel Ward's a legit shutdown corner. He did a hell of a job on Jamar Chase. Well, Baltimore's pass rush is weak. Was weak last year. They don't have a lot of uh, game breakers rushing the passer. And outside of Marlon Humphrey, who might not even play, they're really weak in the quarterback room. 
So I think Jamar Chase is going to rip apart this defense like he usually does. I think Joe Burrow has a bounce back game after an embarrassing outing against the Cleveland team who we talked about last week kind of has Cincy's and Joe Burrow's number. So I like the Bengals here. Um, it is a pros versus Joe's game according to the PFF's betting splits. Hopefully um, it becomes more of a a public dog. Baltimore becomes more of a public dog by kickoff, but I'm on the Bengals here. Uh, any thoughts on that? All the Bengals. What's up? I love the Bengals. Yeah. You have them win the Super Bowl, right? Yes. Yeah, well, I'm with you on all that. I think Baltimore actually looked relatively bad last week, mm-hmm. quite frankly, against Houston. Um, they benefited from, which is why I should have just taken Houston. I mean, I'm sorry, uh, Baltimore as the survivor. I got cute with my pick, which is stupid, and you shouldn't do, especially in week one, but I did. Um, they basically benefited from playing a rookie quarterback on the road in his first career start. Houston offense couldn't really do anything, but Lamar Jackson did not look particularly threatening in the game. Um, yeah, yeah 175 passing yards, 30 rushing yards. Yeah, and he made some really bad errors and some really some misreads, and just he just didn't look good. And, um, you know, I think a lot with all the contract stuff and all the offseason stuff, like I think he's behind a little bit, which actually kind of – evens out a little bit with Burrow here, who's obviously missed a ton of training. And I know Jackson didn't miss as much, but like, you know, that stuff's got to weigh on you when you're constantly just thinking about your contract and and all that stuff, as opposed to thinking about football. Um, I think the Bengals getting beat the way they did, obviously was just sort of a mirage. It's another game that I'm kind of just a little bit like the uh, Giants and Cowboys game, just kind of throwing that game away. It was played in terrible weather. The Bengals didn't play at all like their starters in the preseason burrow missed the entire preseason and training camp with an injury. I'm throwing it away. So yeah, I like the value here in taking the Bengals after a terrible performance and fading the Ravens after a sneaky bad performance that a lot of people probably don't realize was a bad performance. Yeah. They just look at the box score or look at maybe the Ravens covering and it's like, Oh, all right, cool. They played well. And that is absolutely not the case. Yeah. They won by, uh, two scores and so you might look at Lamar Jackson's stat line and be like, well, he didn't need to do much, right? Like they were never in danger defensively against Houston and against CJ Stroud. So but why that's, the hell not? That's um, not what we've seen out of Baltimore in week one. We've seen them put it on teams if they can. And frankly, yeah, they couldn't. That's the thing. They couldn't. Right. So it, like, and then the question becomes, and we'll get into this in a minute, is Houston's defense a little better than most people think, or is, did Baltimore's offense really just fail? We'll, we'll talk a little bit about that because I actually think it's a little bit more um, of the second. The second. Okay, well, yeah, we won't I'm talk sorry, about the latter. Yeah, I yeah, that's what, I, that's what I thought. I, uh, yeah, I, I actually like Houston's defense a little bit, and I think Baltimore's offense a little overrated. Um, but we'll talk more about that, like you said. Um, let's go to your, your second bet here. Um, and another AFC North game, actually. One of the two... Monday Night Football games. You're going uh, looking at the Pittsburgh Steelers, Cleveland Browns. How, how are you sizing up this matchup and where are you putting your money? Yeah, I mean, could end up biting me, but I'm going to back the Steelers here. 
Yeah, you're smiling already. You the, the sigh. I, I I would press a button or whatever. Like, I, can we do the bet? You want to you want to bet me on the? I'll I'll t- I'll take your action. Yeah, on this I mean, one. all right, good. Yep. Right. Yep. I'm taking the Steelers plus two points. Um, I'll give you two I think and a half. Win this game. Great, take it. Um, I think again, like. I hate to keep saying this, but I'm throwing away so much of week one because I just, again, I, I don't think it it's, I don't think it's all that valuable. Again, like honestly, in, in today's day and age of the NFL, when they've reduced the preseason to three games and a lot of teams don't play, although the Steelers did play their starters, um, but all, you know, people made a big deal. And I even wrote an article about uh, Kenny Pickett and the Steelers scoring touchdowns on every drive, but he only played five drives. Like that's a quarter and a half of, of a game. Um, but look, the 49ers was a tough week one matchup. You know, Kenny Pickett got slammed on his head on like the third play of the game. There are definitely some questions about whether or not uh, he should have at least been checked for a concussion. He was not. I don't know. I just think it's one of those things where it got in his head a little bit early. Now that could certainly happen again because the Browns obviously have a defensive line that's very strong. They showed that last week against Joe Burrow. But it's really just more of, you know, look, this is what I do. The Steelers got beat up bad last week at home. The Browns beat up the Bengals, the AFC North favorite uh, at home. So I'm going to side with the team that the public thinks might stink and fade the team that the public thinks is really good, period. Yeah, Mike Tomlin at home in prime time is, is pretty easy money over the years. So you got that trend backing you up. Um, I'm going to mention this, I think, a little bit later, but teams that go from being a home underdog to a road favorite, you kind of instinctually want to just fade. That's pretty profitable, like, you know, foundation or, or like spot to be to be fading teams because, you know, the thought is if you're so good to be a road favorite, why were you home underdog the week before? It was probably probably an overreaction. That's typically what, what that well, means. Well, the preseason the preseason line in this game was Pittsburgh favored. So yeah. this line has shifted considerably uh, due to week one. Although, I mean, look, the Browns were a one-point favorite. Now they're two-point. I'm sorry. The Browns were a one-point underdog. Now they're two-point favorites. So Vegas has basically looked at this game like, look, it's Browns-Steelers. It's Monday night. It's going to be a close game. Could really go either way. In that case, I'm taking the two points. Yeah, I'm just – I'm huge into this Cleveland defense, right? I think Jim Schwartz was going to make a big difference, and I think this defense could be top five, top ten potential this year. Miles Garrett, I have a ticket on him to win defensive uh, player of the year. Also, sneaky big injury. Cam Hayward isn't practicing and could miss this game, and that – he's – the most important part of Phil, uh, Pittsburgh's run defense. So Nick Chubb could have a, a, a have a big game. Um, also, no Deontay Johnson for uh, Pittsburgh, who didn't get in the end zone last year, but is definitely a guy that um, Pickett would love to have in the game for him. So I'm down to go head-to-head with you in that matchup um, on Monday Night Football. But again, all these injuries coming off, like you're listing off the injuries you're talking about last week and why is this line only two points? I mean, how much can you adjust it? You know, they went from what minus one to plus two and a half. Like to me, that's a, that is a big swing. Okay. I mean, outside of like 
the Colorado Buffaloes. Like, there isn't that big of swings week in, week out with these football betting markets. I think it's a big, a big swing, and it's, it's a reaction. Could be an overreaction. We'll see. Um, the next game that I'm looking at is a another primetime game, this time in the AFC East. Uh, Sunday Night Football, Miami Dolphins at the New England Patriots. Um, this is going to be one of my contest picks, and I am going with the Miami Dolphins. I'm going to lay, oh no, it's up to two, or it's up to like three at most books. So I guess I'm laying three, probably that's what's going to be in the contest. Um, Burrow, or excuse me, Tua is 4-0 all time against the, uh, against the Patriots. He's got a plus 9.6 ATS margin in those games. Mac Jones is 0-4 against the spread uh, versus the Dolphins all time. The Patriots are averaging averaging just 17.5 points per game in those meetings. Miami has kept pretty much the same defensive personnel. So the same guys who are used to stopping Mac Jones are going to face him again Sunday night. Uh, except I think Miami's defense is going to get better as the season progresses, as Fick Vangio continues to kind of work his magic. Um, I think Miami's defense can make New England's offense one-dimensional. Um the uh, among, among one of the biggest mismatches of offensive versus defensive line is Miami's defensive line versus New England's offensive line and 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 run blocking or run stopping. My numbers make this make Miami seven and a half point favorite versus New England on a neutral field in their last four meetings. Again, Miami's covered all four by an average of seven point six. So. My number kind of lines up with how the the recent performances or meetings have went. Um, And I just, you know, I kind of needed to see it with the Dolphins. You know, see Tua healthy, see Mike McDaniel in the second year. This could be an overreaction as well, but I just think that the Patriots are going to have one of the worst records in the NFL this year. And um, I think the Dolphins could make a playoff push, so... I'll lay the points with the Dolphins. You're a Dolphins fan. Are you? How do you feel about your team after Week One? I mean, they played great. No question about it. Um, I I wonder if this is an overreaction. I kind of like the Patriots a little bit here in prime time at home um, against. Again, it's everyone's sort of on the dolphins now we've got two mvp talk rolling through we've got you know tyreek hill could have three thousand yards receiving like there's okay no one's saying that but you get what i'm saying didn't you say two thousand um, yards though i thought you what? said in our afc i thought you said in our afc east preview tyreek hill says he can go for two thousand yards and you would bet on him to go over his receiving total do i have that completely wrong I don't think – I mean, he definitely said that, but I don't know that I said anything about it. But uh, maybe I, thought, I did. Oh, I good, thought, I'll take it. Yeah, no, I thought you said, like, if he's saying that, I'm going to take him at his word and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bet his over. It's, I mean, it yards. could definitely bet his – yeah, I mean, I'm sure his receiving total – I don't know what it was preseason. I'm assuming it wasn't 1999 and a half. Um, it wasn't below 15, I would bet, right? Yeah, and it shouldn't be now. Um, yeah, I mean, look. It was an it was it was a very impressive performance 
I will say that because the Chargers were the one team last year that sort of figured out the Dolphins offense and stopped Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell. And as we talked about, why I was backing the Chargers in that game was because Brandon Staley appeared to have sort of the solution for how to stop them. And and one of the only touchdowns the Dolphins scored against the Chargers last season was that fluke fumble that Tyreek Hill like picked up on the pile and no one saw it. And he ended up taking it for a 50 yard touchdown, which was technically an offensive touchdown, but not because of anything the Dolphins did. Um, But yet McDaniel had a plan. He studied the tape from last year, clearly saw what they did against the Dolphins and said, you know, okay, we have a plan for that. And the Chargers didn't have an adjustment. So, you know, good on McDaniel. I feel like I might have been wrong about the Dolphins, which good as a fan. Uh, that's great. But I don't know. I have I have trouble backing them as a as a road favorite in New England against Bill Belichick uh, in primetime. <laughs> That's understandable. It's not usually a profitable spot. So, um, but hey, I need five picks, and based on all the options, that made uh, my card as my third favorite pick. But let's go to your third uh, best bet this week, which is in the Washington Commanders at Denver Broncos. Um, Actually, it's Colts Texans. Uh, I got the over in the Colts Texans game. Wait, you didn't have Washington and Denver as well? well? I do, but it's not my second. It's not my... Th- I thought we were going in order. I didn't know you actually ranked them. I thought you just sent me picks and it didn't matter the, the specific order. But hey, whatever. We talk, all right, it doesn't matter to me. Let's talk about... The, well, the I, I like sections. to go based... I like to start with my... I like to start with my spread picks based on the time of the game. So I started with, you know, the Sunday spread pick and then i went to my monday spread pick and now we go to the totals and this is the early total and the commander's denver game is a four o'clock game it's a late total i gotta do let's there's talk a method ab- to my madness Jeff. yeah 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 no let's talk about indianapolis colts uh houston texans here on the outkick <laughs> bets of jeff clark since you're the i mean you're i mean you're the host pretty much now so let's just do it <laughs> i'm just kidding go ahead uh so this will actually probably come as a surprise to anyone who listens to this podcast on a weekly basis. Um, I'm taking over on a total under 40, which if you know me, you know I like to take under on totals under 40 because that's usually the sports book telling you they want you to go over because people see low totals and they think over, and that's generally where you should look to go over. In fact, sometimes I think one year I made a ton of money just looking at the highest total of the week and betting the over and the lowest total of the week, and betting the under. I have not followed along with that trend, but it it was profitable at least for one season. Um, But here, I think this is a mispriced line because I think people look at what Houston did last week. They scored nine points. I don't think they had a touchdown, right, if I'm not mistaken. They did not score an offensive touchdown. You've got two rookie quarterbacks, and – these are probably bad teams. So where are the points going to come from? And I actually think that the books are just wrong. Um, Both these teams showed in week one that they're riding or dying with their rookie quarterbacks, which isn't actually that surprising when I thought about it, because 
D'Amico Ryans is not going to get fired after one season. Like Houston Texans absolutely cannot afford to fire another black coach after one year. I don't think his job is in any danger, no matter what happens this year. And I don't think the Colts are planning on firing their rookie head coach after one season either. And that kind of showed itself in week one where these guys didn't play like scared that their rookie was going to screw up and it was going to cost them a game. They played like, look, you're our guy and we're, we're going to ride or die. Uh, Houston only scored nine points, like I said, but it was a tough road test against a probable playoff team in CJ Stroud's first career start. Uh, they get to go home this week, which is going to be a much more friendly environment. Stroud attempted 44 passes in his debut. Now, I understand that they were down the entire game, so they pretty much had to. But their expected pass rate based on game situation was around 74%, and they threw the ball 75% of the time. Managing to have a positive pass rate over expectation when your pass rate was expected to be 74% is wild, especially with a rookie quarterback. You would think that that was going to be a negative number for sure. So again, I think Houston's willing to to roll the dice and let C.J. Stroud do his thing. And the Colts did the exact same thing. They had a positive pass rate over expectation with their rookie quarterback. He threw the ball 39 times. Shane Steichen was aggressive, just like he was in Philly. He didn't change his style at all. Uh, going from that Philly aggressive style to Indianapolis where he thought, well, maybe he'll be, you know, he's got a rookie quarterback, totally different team. Maybe he'll dial it back. He didn't. They went for it a few times on fourth down. He let Richardson make his his mistakes and, and try to make big plays. And ultimately, that's kind of what I see with this game. Like, I see two rookie quarterbacks who are being allowed to make big plays and make mistakes. Big plays and mistakes both lead to points. So I actually think this could be a fairly high-scoring game that I, I just don't think anyone else sees it but me. Not but me, I'm sure there's other people, but you you get what I'm saying, which is that I, I, I just think Vegas is wrong here. I think this, is, this total should be like 45. Yeah, the consensus is looking at 39.5. You can get a 39 on Caesar Sportsbook. Uh, we shop around for the best number. Uh, my prediction is Houston 23, Indianapolis 18. One of the notes that I have is what you already mentioned. They allowed C.J. Stroud to throw it 44 times. They have confidence in him. They do. And Indy's Indy's secondary is bottom five. <laughs> it, gets, it is terrible. I, it, it, I, I can't ding them too much for this, but Trevor Lawrence did complete 75% of his throws. I, I, I think... I think very highly of Trevor Lawrence, and he made some sick throws, right? So I'm not going to really ding Indianapolis's secondary, but like coming into the season, they were bottom five, and uh, according to me, you know, um, I thought again. I mentioned this about about the Browns Pittsburgh game is like my one issue with backing the Browns and why it's not on my contest plays, but Indianapolis is going from a home underdog to a road favorite at this point. And typically, that's just a spot where you're gonna, you should be instinctively looking to fade teams, especially going from a home dog to a road favorite when you have a rookie head coach and a rookie quarterback making their first road starts, like, and they're going from home dog to road favorite. To me, that just screams fade. Um, Indianapolis is getting a lot of love in the market because they quote should have covered against Jacksonville. And actually that is, that is a fair takeaway. They, they should have covered against Jacksonville, but this is a pros versus Joe's game, uh, according to PFF. And 
my one issue with your look on the on the total is Houston's defense just Their defense. Yeah, it wasn't that bad. It wasn't, and they I just agree. game plan for a mobile quarterback, right? So this isn't like going from like Kirk Cousins to Anthony Richardson, right? It is two mobile quarterbacks. I like linebacker Denzel Perryman. I think he's a good quarterback of the defense. Texans could get Jimmy Ward uh, to make his season debut, which is just another guy who who can spy Anthony Richardson. Um, and I think, I think frankly, D'Amico Ryans and, and Denzel Perryman together can out-scheme Steichen and, and Richardson. But um, I, I have no play on, on, the, on the total. In fact, I, I, I lean to the over with you. But um, My pushback only there is that, yes, they did scheme for a rushing quarterback, and there's no question that at this point in their careers, Lamar Jackson is better than Anthony Richardson. I don't think anyone's going to disagree with that. But the Ravens still scored three offensive touchdowns despite playing kind of poorly. So, I mean, if the Colts score three touchdowns, this game's going over. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, for sure. No, I don't hate that. Again, I lean to the over. Um, And at this point, the Texans are my last team in, so it's more of a lean. Uh, My honorable mentions um, for my fifth team in my contest are the uh, Bucks, Packers, and and Rams. I think I'm going to end up on the Texans, but if if two of my first – uh, if two of my losses in weeks one and two are with the Texans, I'm going to feel stupid. <laughs> going to feel dumb, you know? Um, but I was relative to the market high on the Houston Texans coming in this season. And I had, uh, I gave out under alternate uh, Indies, alternate win total under four and a half at like plus 300. So I'm down on this Colts team. Um, okay. Moving along uh, to, a team that you have making the the Super Bowl out of the AFC, the Los Angeles Chargers, going against the Tennessee Titans. Um, well, you, you earlier told the listeners that I had the Bengals winning the Super Bowl. That would be tough to do if the Chargers make it out of the AFC. I did say that right. Yeah. Stupid. Stupid Jeff Clark. No, you're right. But you like the Chargers. I love the Chargers. Yeah, I, I think a... I think a Chargers-Bengals AFC Championship game is absolutely on the table. Didn't you say, like, kind of your long shot sneaky pick to win the AFC was the Los Angeles Chargers, but your official pick was yes. the Bengals? Correct. Okay, that's what, that's what I was thinking. But, yeah, it is very confusing the way I, the way I said it. I mean, I said it wrong. So, anyways, uh, Titans-Chargers. Right now, I believe the Titans are going for plus three. I'm going to take it. Um, because of just the epic coaching mismatch. I I know th- this, I'm preaching to the choir here to an extent. You were a Brandon Staley fan initially, but you've, I think, sold most of your Brandon Staley stock, right? Not most. Some. Okay. I'm pretty anti-Brandon Staley. Um, he so has, everyone else. He has a very talented defense. He's a defensive-minded guy. And his defense got crushed last week. Granted, the Tennessee Titans aren't nearly as explosive on offense as Miami um, in any way, shape, or form. But I think if you're so limited defensively, one way or the other, a coach like Mike Vrabel is going to be able to exploit that. And and we've seen like Mike Vrabel and the Titans will will rip covers out of out of. Like they'll just pull it out of their ass. 
Like they had no business k- kicking that field goal last week, but they want to play games really, really close, and that's usually how it works. Uh, before Tannehill got injured last season, the Titans were seven and three straight up, eight and two against the spread. So, um, you know, Mike Vrabel is really good against the number. I think the Titans should be minus two against the Chargers. Um, so I think we're getting like four and a half, five points worth of line value in this one. Um, Tennessee's defense can make LA's offense one dimensional. Tennessee had the best run defense in the league last year, even despite being just crushed with injuries. They're fully healthy currently. So I think they're going to do a, a good job in making Herbert beat them. I know a lot of pro chargers, pro Herbert people are saying that could be a good thing. And it could be right. Like forcing Herbert to throw is like forcing the chargers to, to do the right thing. I'll listen to that to an extent, but I think if Vrabel and Tennessee's defense could just wipe away the rushing attack, I'll take my chances um, at home with the Titans plus the points. Also, Austin Eckler might not be in this game, and he's he looked great last week, so maybe there was yeah, a little bit so of value Yeah, but so did Josh Kelly. Fair. Fair. Um, I don't know that Eckler makes that big of a difference. And actually, if anything, hopefully it means a little bit more uh, Quentin Johnson, who I get that they're easing him into their lineup uh, because that's usually how it works. With, yeah, they are. Most rookies. I mean, didn't they not even play him? Like he played. Um, actually, what was really interesting is he only played 22% of the snaps way behind Josh Palmer, who played ahead of him, which is insane because Josh Palmer is not as good as Quentin Johnson. But again, it's, you know, it's them easing a rookie in. But Quentin Johnson earned three targets um, despite running like 12 routes or something crazy like that. And Josh Palmer saw one target despite playing like 75% of the snaps. So Herbert already knows who the better player is because when Johnson was on the field, even in limited snaps, he saw the ball. And when Palmer was on the field a lot, he didn't. So at some point, they're going to have to get that guy on the field more. Um, this week, this is a tough one for me. I don't really have any thoughts on it. I mean, I have tons of thoughts on it, but I don't really have any plays because I think the line is right. Uh, it's two teams that I am a little bit higher on than the market, both lost in week one. So I don't think there's really any value either way. Um, maybe the Titans are a little bit more diminished. So I guess I could see that. But really, I think this line is correct. And I like both these teams in, in the long view. So I'm going to stay away from it, but I don't. That's kind of where I'm at with it. All right. All good. All right. So your final pick here on the uh, week two slate. Uh, Which you've already spoiled. Yeah, I think you're going back to the well with it. But Washington Commanders um, at the Denver Broncos. The Broncos are laying three and a half. Total is sitting there at 38, 39, 38. What uh, What are you looking at in this game? I think one of my legitimate strategies this year in general is just going to be like find the game where they couldn't possibly make the total low enough for me to stay away from it. And when I looked at this slate, this was the game like by far. And as I've said, I usually look for totals under 40 and try to bet the under because I think, you know, that's generally the book trying to get action on the under, which you are on the over, which isn't hard to do because people like to bet the over. But both of these teams have pretty good defenses and pretty bad offenses. Um, obviously, that's perfect recipe for an under. I think people expected Sean Payton to come out and like totally change this uh, Denver Broncos team to the point where like this offense was going to be unrecognizable from last year, and that didn't happen. They looked exactly the same as they looked last year. So 
you know, I, I don't, that's kind of what I thought was going to happen. So that was a little, maybe it's a little confirmation bias for me, which is that, you know, I thought Sean Payton was a little overrated. Um, he made fun of Nathaniel Hackett and how terrible, you know, that system was. And then they went out and scored 16 points against the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, this team did not look any different than the team we saw last year. Their best players appeared to be Javante Williams, Samaj P. Ryan, which I expect them to lean on heavily in this game. Um, the Broncos played at a very slow pace in week one, which is also not surprising. They ran fewer than 60 plays and gained only 260 yards. The Commanders ran a few more plays, 65, but gained fewer yards than the Broncos did last week. Um and it might look like an overreaction, like, Dan, I thought we weren't supposed to overreact to week one. But I don't think this is an overreaction to week one. I think this is two teams who look pretty much similar to what they were last year, just carrying that over into this year. They might just be the same team they were. Um, so I think this is a proper reaction that these are good defenses, bad offenses that play slow. I think this under is, I'm not going to say a lock because every time you say that, it doesn't happen. And there's always that chance that Sam Howell does something dumb again and gives the Broncos defense points. But if he doesn't, I think this under is a, a very, very good bet this week. Yeah, I think it's hilarious. Sean Payton was talking a lot of shit about Nathaniel Hackett. Last year, week one, Seahawks beat the Broncos 17-16. This year, Broncos <laughs> lose to the Raiders 17-16. It's like, dude, yeah. through week one, you didn't do shit. Literally, you didn't do no. shit. I mean, yeah. if we're going to hold him to the Nathaniel Hackett standard, which I'm sure he wants, because who doesn't want to be held to the Nathaniel Hackett standard? Um, so far, same coach. <laughs> yeah, same same result. What the Broncos? Sure. Do you have it? What did they? What did they do? Uh, what did they do in week two last year? Uh, they scored 16 points again, but they beat the Texans perfect. 16 to nine. Oh, perfect. <laughs> yeah so that is by the way that that is absolutely in play denver winning this game 16 to 9 was absolutely in play and would be hilarious absolutely yeah i mean i think they're they're gonna need their defense to pull out some games because they're banged up at wide receiver i like your point about how they're gonna lean into the running game because that's where their best skill position players are um yes. washington's defense we talked about this in the nfc east preview i think it's nasty um, so I, I don't hate that look at all. It is a very low total, and those are the ones that you probably should be looking to go under uh, based on everything you've already talked about. So good on you. Uh, like your picks, we're only head-to-head in one. There wasn't as much bickering between us as there usually is, but it was still fun. But you smoked me last week, so what am I going to say? That's you fair. You went 3-0 and head-to-head against me last week, which was not ideal. What were our season longs, by the way? Do you have those written? I know we have DK versus Cooper Cup, who that looks good for me so far. Really? You're not going to avoid that one, huh? Why would I avoid it? Because usually when you do head-to-heads or, or player props, it's game one wait a minute. needs action. Well, wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Part of my reason for taking that bet was that Cooper Cup would get hurt. That was part of the analysis was I don't trust him to stay healthy that just came true. If if you had said, if Cooper Cup gets hurt, this bet doesn't count, I would have said, no, I'm not taking it. Because that definitely factored in. Yeah, but usually with player props and head-to-heads, like you got to play game one for there to be action or else the bet is Why? voided. Because that's how that's, it works. That's, no, that's ridiculous. So wait a minute. How is this different than John Rom pulling out um, in the middle of the player's championship and me voiding that bet? 
if you have to ask, then you're not the guy I thought you were. <laughs> you know it's not different. It's just, I mean... It's way... It is way different ah. because John Rom. Well, this John Rom was beating Rory. This McElroy, isn't the spirit and of... And he the... was over the cut line. Yes, it was. It was the spirit of this specific bet. Like, no way. it's not like you took Rory McIlroy thinking, you know what? There's a good chance John Rom's going to pull out after the first day with a stomach with a stomach bug. So I'm factoring Dude, that into my price here. If I knew that Cooper Cup wasn't going to play the first four games of the, of the season, do you think I make that bet? What do you mean? You don't really, really, you're going to play dumb. You don't, who knows? Who knows? My thing is like part of that bet was that like first of all, DK Metcalf's over under going into the year was like nine fifty. Cooper Cups was like fourteen hundred. I was giving you a ton of extra value because I was basing it on the idea that Cooper Cup getting hurt was a high likelihood of happening. He didn't play game one. This should be no action. What do you think the price would have been? Well, then my argument to that would be then you should have given me the price, the correct price. We bet that straight up. What do you think Vegas would have said was DK Metcalf versus Cooper Cup head-to-head in receiving yard total? Keeping in mind that Cooper Cup's receiving over-under was 1,400 and DK's was 500 less than that. What do you think the line would have been? DK would have been what? Plus 400? Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Listen to what you're saying, right? You're saying you gave me a break. When the guy you bet was a a 500-yard favorite and we went... We win even money? No, 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 no. The other way. Cooper Cup's over under was fourteen fifty. DK Metcalf's over under was nine fifty. Oh, I see. Cooper I see, Cup I see, was I see, expected okay. to have five hundred more yards. And okay. I bet you straight up, if they offered a prop, Fair who's enough, gonna have more receiving do, yards? DK Metcalf or Cooper Cup, what do you think the odds would have been? It would have been Cooper Cup minus two twenty. 400 no he, he, he would have been a big favorite i'm not arguing with you i'm not i'm not arguing with you i don't i don't know how to so size my that thing up is like my whole thing is like i gave you a huge break on that because i was baking in the injury possibility as a very high likelihood of happening as to why i even took the bet in the first place otherwise again it would have made no sense for me to take that bet because of course, if they stay healthy, Cooper Cup's But it would have made no sense for me to make that bet if I knew he was going to be out for the first four games. Like, if he got injured midseason during a football play, I'd been like, okay, I mean, that's the risk you run. He didn't even get out there. And you're like, eh, that's a loss. But he got hurt during football. No, he like, didn't. He got hurt during practice, which he absolutely could have done Come during on. the year and probably was going to do. He could have got injured. He didn't get hurt playing pickup basketball. He didn't get injured even in preseason. Like, you didn't see how he got injured. No one saw how he got injured. Oh, God. Whatever, dude. <laughs> all right. All well, right. We'll, how about this? How about this? We just void all bets that we've made so far. We start clean this week. Here we go. You're terrible. I can just, <laughs> I'll give you the Cooper Cup win or whatever. We'll see how it plays out. Maybe Cooper Cup runs him down. It's not even a guaranteed win. He's only missing four games. The dude went for like 2,000 yards. Like even missing four games, it's not like the bet's over. It's just a good start. That's all I was saying. I didn't mean to to start this eruption, but. I it's mean, not an you know, eruption. It's, a, it's an obvious thing that I was thinking about. I was like, I wonder if but Dan's like going to avoid this bet because. But I told you that this was part of my analysis. It was like, he's going to get hurt. And that's, that's the only shot. Everyone's and football only, analysis on the under. All, and also, Metcalf also had 47 yards in week one. Like, I have a 47-yard lead with three games to go before. And who knows? Cup yeah. could come back in week five. Yeah, and they're playing the Detroit they Lions. They not play at all this year. Who, who got – who 
Seattle torch last year. Hey, you know what? You're right. We'll litigate this further on. It's all good. That might have been the most interesting thing we talked about the entire podcast. Yeah, I, I'm not like, even surprised that that you would that you would push through this bet. I, the only surprise is that that I avoided the the John Rom one. Nah, and, nah. See, and I knew you like I sort of knew you'd go back to that, and like the situation obviously could not possibly be more different. But from it could a, not possibly be more different. A simple grading perspective i'm right and you're wrong like no player props no no head-to-head season-long bets go through if the guy doesn't play game one if a if if and a head-to-head if a golfer withdraws at any point the person that he went head-to-head with wins that's the sports book great now you're saying in the spirit of it like in the spirit of this bet like I thought Cooper Cup would at least be out there week one, right? Like if he gets injured in the first five minutes, I'm like, oh, all right, yeah, stupid me, right? But like he didn't even play. Right, fair enough, we can avoid it. That's fine. I drafted Cooper Cup in the second round of my fantasy draft, so I hope he comes back in week five, and I hope he goes for two thousand yards in twelve games. That'd be great. All right. Well, before I bring in Scott Martin, aka Scotty Markets, to talk about his model plays. Where can people follow your gambling and NFL coverage? And apparently, like my shady deals that I make on, oh on homie God, bets. Apparently, I don't. I don't have. Apparently, I don't have any uh, ethics, morals. Yeah, you know, I get it. You put words into my me, mouth. You put words in my mouth. I'm a horrible human being who tries to cheat my boys out of their money. <laughs> oh God! All right, whatever. I'll pay you on the on the Cooper Cup loss. It's not even a loss at this point. Like that's the other thing is like we're you're treating it like the bet is over. He's out for four games. Yeah, I bet his receiving it's not, yard. Total- it's not a it's not a baseball four games. It's not a basketball four games. It's a football. He's out roughly quarter of the season. Yeah, that's a big deal. We can agree to that, right? I mean, it's not not a big deal, but it also doesn't mean that DK Metcalf is. De- well, first of all, DK Metcalf could, could get hurt, so that's a possibility as well. I mean, Cup played nine games last year and had eight hundred and twelve yards. How many yards did Metcalf have last year? Mm, at uh, least a thousand. He had a thousand. He beat him by. He played eight more games and beat Cup by roughly two hundred and fifty yards, with an eight-game lead. So four games is not a big deal. All right. Well, at real Dan Zach on Twitter is talking me back into this bet. I'm down. If you're not going to plug yourself, I'll plug you. I mean, look, I'm into Cooper Cup. Like I said, I, I, our $50 bet was worth way less to me than my big money fantasy league where I need Cooper Cup to come back and start scoring. Because I got, I had the first pick in the draft and I took Justin Jefferson. And if I have a healthy JJ and a healthy Cooper Cup, like I'm winning this league. Those are guys that can combine. I have, and I have Josh Allen. If I, a healthy Josh Allen, Justin Jefferson, and Cooper Cup, like those three could score 100 points combined in a week and no one would bat an eye. So that's what I need to have happen. So I, I'm happy to avoid the bet just because I have to root for Cooper Cup anyway. No, let's roll it out. That's my TED Talk. Thanks so, for coming. <laughs> Follow him at Real Dan Zach for some more TED Talk thoughts. All right, let's get on uh, to Scotty Markets. All right, well, thanks, Dan, for coming on my podcast and bickering with me about my picks. Uh, our listeners really enjoy our like little brother and big brother energy and our little slapboxing over 
uh, our weekly NFL picks, but uh, someone who I'm not going to bicker with who helped make all of our listeners money in his Outkick Bets debut last week is Fox News' Scott Martin, a.k.a. Scotty Markets. Scotty, 2 and one week one. Hell of a debut. I'm hoping you can uh, recapture that that uh, success this week. Yeah, Jeff, just call me the girl next door. Uh, and look, man, I, two and one's not bad. I'll take it. It was a, it was a good week in the sense that I believe that we had the right picks on a couple of them. One of them actually, frankly, didn't work out, but a couple of them did work out very well. And there's really not much doubt, which is really fun because we've got to enjoy the games instead of sitting there worrying about them. But the reality is, it's it's a it's a three uh, section or see three selection pick, uh, segment here. So we've got three kind of barking dogs, whether it's public dogs or dogs in the uh, spread to talk about today, to talk about week two, and hopefully turn that two and one week one, which is the debut, as you mentioned, thank you very much to a hopefully three and O oh, week two. Yeah. And the three picks isn't a firm and fast rule. If while we're talking, you think of a fourth pick or want to just shoot from the hip, by all means, any any leans you have, whatever, fire them out there. I know you're 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 a handicapper. Um, that's really like grinding week in week out. You got that math and and public betting model that you use. So any leans on top of your three picks, by all means. Um, last week again, you went two and one. Your uh, Bucks winner was a bit of a sweat. I was on the same side. That was probably the wrong side if you look into the box score, but uh, maybe your model had something about Kirk Cousins turning the ball over. My mental model definitely had that, so we cashed there. Yes, and that was a good one, too, because that's one of the ones, too, Jeff, that we talked about that game as how it was going to go, though. Remember, we talked about how that game might happen. I mean, the Bucks might have fallen down, you know, 10 points, 14, as we talked about on the on the segment. So I was expecting that. I was expecting this to go the way that we thought, and it did. And, of course, at the end of the game, the Vikings defense, as we talked about in the setup for that game, man, they just can't stop people. They don't have a good uh, proposition with respect to how they're going to stop the opposing offense. And I think the Bucks are better than people think. Yeah, agreed. Um, well, I think you might end up fading that analysis in a few minutes. We'll get to that in a second. Uh-huh. There you go. <laughs> um, your second pick, though, was something that I also added in my contest. One of my winners in a 4 and one week, we both hit the Browns plus 2.5 which was an effing lock. Like, they smashed Cincinnati's offense. Dude, we crushed that one. You and I talked about that even prior to the record, and it was something that you and I both kind of came to the, the middle on, and it, it just almost felt too easy. I mean, when the when the spread came out, it looked too easy, and then I looked deeper into it, looked at some of the things you mentioned about Burrow as well for last year uh, as opposed to this year, and it just felt like an easy one, and – this was the rebirth of Cleveland, man. We talked about this last week, and Cleveland has a chance now to actually make a hay here in the NFC North, or AFC North, rather. And so that's something that I believe is going to be interesting when it comes to how Cleveland plays out the rest of these games and what the public does about it, man. Because remember, we're watching some of the public money here, watching some of the money flows, watching some of the capital flows, and seeing how that reacts to what the information is that we know now that you and I, Jeff, knew before the game last week. Well, that's why the betting splits input in your model is so important. Uh, from the eyeball test and the matchup analysis that both you and I had, like you said, both of us thought it seemed easy, but the public was on the other side. So that's actually what turned out to be the most important factor in my handicap is 
A, I feel so strongly about the Browns and how they match up with the Bengals. And B, again, more importantly, the public feels the opposite. So that's why that was uh, just a a beautiful pick. Um, I love that position, man. Yep, that's the best position to be in, right? Contrary, uh, sharp pick that's on the same side of the sports book. The third pick was something that me and my brother included in my second earned uh, uh, circuit contest entry didn't go so well. Panthers plus three and a half end up uh, losing out right to the Atlanta Falcons. I think it was a 24 10 result, but rookie you quarterback did a tough game. Uh, tough, tough game. And, and perhaps, I, like I said, I, I thought the Falcons weren't maybe as good as the, as the Panthers were. It looked like there was some pretty big offsides on the public on the Falcons. I mean, you had about 65 ish percent of the money it looked like on the Falcons my man and the, the Panthers looked like a sleeping dog to me they looked like a barking dog that maybe have had rabies and uh, they just <laughs> did not show up man on Sunday they didn't show up with their rabies on Sunday and play hard against the Falcons but hey we first had that we had those first two games that we got correct and then the, the stuff that comes through too on the model too Jeff when it comes to the data and looking at the money flows and things like that and and, and, and the line moves and things that's stuff that we can learn from over the course of the season too and and, and take either as say a player pass on the next uh, time that comes up in front of our face. Yeah, I think next year um, we both have to consider rookie quarterbacks in their first starts. There's a really solid trend where if you just blindly fade rookie quarterbacks in their first start, you're going to make money. So, But to your point, dude, because you have good analysis, you said he's been in there. You, uh, Bryce yeah. Young or whoever it was, right? Yeah, he's been in there because of the fact that he's, He's played in that in that game because of the fact that he had been down there for the SEC championship game and things like that. So, I mean, that seemed like, you know, something that would at least have lent itself to somebody or, or a team or somebody being more comfortable. So it's like you know, there were things that could have been uh, juxtaposed to make it easier for somebody to take Carolina. And obviously my model did. But uh, unfortunately, that was the one loss of the week. No, that's a fair point. And I don't think Bryce Young was... I don't think he was overwhelmed by the moment, but I just think the Panthers were banged up by wide receiver. He needed to make some plays, and he didn't. And, and true, and to your point, they're probably keeping the offense kind of simple for him. So it's one of those things where it's like he's coming out. They probably have you know maybe 15, 25 plays they're going to pick from in the first half. So like stuff starts going wrong, they get down right away. You know things start happening. The game changes, the plan changes, and now you've got to change the plan on the fly. And that's sometimes, to your point, tougher for a rookie quarterback than somebody who's been there before. Good point. Yeah, and the Falcons poached uh, Bengals safety Jesse Bates this offseason, who's one of my favorite defensive players in the league. And I think he was responsible for all three of Carolina's turnovers. Yes. He got two of the picks. At least two of them. And I think he got the the strip, too. So um, it's all right to be on the wrong side when you cash two uh, your other two bets. Um, so it's all good. Two and two and one week one excited. What you got here cooking in the lab in week two, let's go with your first pick. Uh, the Buffalo bills who on the consensus market are, is going for minus nine or or favored nine, excuse me. Um, but you found an eight and a half that's widely available or not widely available, but available at the, one of the biggest sports books, uh, in the world, which is DraftKings. So talk about the bills and talk about line shopping. Great point, man. Um, and, and line shopping is very important for me. When I look at a team, I look at a side, I want the best line possible. And, and once I determine where I want to be, 
the next phase of business is saying, what's the best line possible? I want to get the possible best line for me. Uh, if I'm going to pick the bills, for example, I want the lowest number minus as far as the number goes. So with respect to how that shakes out in the case of, like you mentioned, DraftKings, we've got an eight and a half right now sitting at DraftKings. And that's something that I like. Now, here's the interesting thing. We always talk about this being the barking dog segment. Oh, my gosh, the bills are favored by eight and a half, roughly speaking, in this matchup. But the public is not on the bills, boys and girls and sports fans. So here's where I'm saying this is a barking dog in a way, but a barking dog as far as the public sees them, because I think the public is coming off this impression on Monday Night Football with the Jets, where Zach Wilson comes in and manages not to blow the game like he did last year and also come in and actually handle the Bills' defense pretty well, I thought. I mean, sure, there were some great plays by the wide receivers in that game and some of the running backs and whatnot, but reality is Zach Wilson managed that game pretty well against that Bills' defense and the fact, too, that the Bills lost the game in the overtime segment with the, with the punt return. So the Bills come in here pretty undervalued. They're going back home. They're taking on a Las Vegas team, which looked, I'd say, I guess somewhat decent in the first week. But with respect to going east and going to the to the 1 p.m. Eastern game here in Buffalo, where that fan base is going to be ravenous and that team is going to be very upset about what happened, just say about 300 miles or whatever south there or southeast towards New York City about four or five days ago. This team's going to come in pretty excited and pretty anticipatory of, of, of laying one on, I think, the Raiders here. And the fact that the public is not on them, Jeff, too, is a reason that I'm putting my stake behind the Bills. And with respect to the 8.5, too, I may take that down just to an simple 8 and buy that down to, say, maybe an 8 even or maybe watch it, see if it goes anywhere. But that's something, too, that I'm on the Bills on this side all day long, especially given that time zone change. Um, it's thin based on your bets, but you could do a teaser for all – all three of your weekly picks if you wanted to take the bills down to six and add six to the two dogs we're about to discuss that are on your card. But uh, you bring up an excellent point, which is there's a saying in sports that goes um, public dogs get slaughtered, right? Usually the public likes betting favorites. So the sports books are rooting for underdogs. It's very rare the sports book needs the better team to win for them to profit. So, again, not your standard barking dog, but it is a spot where uh, at least your your the betting splits that, that you found or you have uncovered are showing that you're on the same side as the house, which is effectively the same difference. Bingo. I mean, Jeff, you look at this game, and, and the line that comes out is, I think it was minus nine when it first came out after the Monday night game. You look at this game, and it's Buffalo minus nine, and you got to be like – what the heck's going on here? This, this doesn't seem right at all. Yes, Buffalo's at home. Yes, it's an East Coast game. Yes, it's that first slung of games as far as the first slug of games in the in the first realm of the day. But the reality is, is that this is still a game that a close game throughout throughout the the contest. But this requires maybe a late second field goal or late game field goal rather, or a turnover late, something like that to cover the spread that you feel like it's going to just bust it. And two, the fact that Las Vegas looked okay against Denver. They didn't look awesome, and they didn't look like they had everything together, Galapolo and all those guys. It still seems like they've got some things to get together, and I believe the, the Bills are going to be mad. I believe they're going to come in here. That Those fans are going to be absolutely treacherous. Um, it's just going to be a great opportunity for the Bills to rise up again and take back what they think they lost on Monday night. Yeah, I mean, Raiders won. They beat the Broncos 17-16. They did One it in, point. in Denver, which is impressive, but I don't know how much of it was the Raiders – being good and the Broncos being bad. And I know that the Jets defense has a championship defense. And yeah, Josh Allen turned the ball over, 
four times and, and peed down his leg. But a jet, the Jets' defense had played a big role in that, and the Raiders' defense doesn't have nearly as much bite. And Josh Allen does all those turnovers, peace down his leg, as you said, and maybe leaves a puddle on the on the ground as well. And they still lose by a, a touchdown in overtime on a punt return that happens like that's happened like three times in the history of the league. So yeah. there's still a lot of, of wherewithal here that can happen with respect to the Bills and how they can pull this one out. And like I said, get a late second touchdown, get a late second cover somehow and, and, and carry this game forward. And, and still take this one for right. us. I mean, we were both on the Jets last week, and I know you were nervous when the Bills won that coin toss in, in overtime. Like, uh-oh, Jets might not even see the ball. Seen but, this before. Yeah, yeah, seen this one before, yeah. We, dude, we were so on the right side. Just Let's just remember Aaron Rodgers got injured in the first offensive series, and our and our pick still cashed. So. Um, but moving along to your next pick here, I'm on – the opposite side is one of my honorable mentions this week. I'm not sure what I'm going to do with the fifth pick yet, but you're looking at the Bears plus three as they visit uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So why don't you make your pitch, and, and maybe I'll, I'll 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 stay away from the Bucks. See if I can coax you here. I, I love this game, Jeff. I have to say it. I love the deep breath, too, that you gave into the microphone there it's, as you led this in. It's a, I know it's a sharp play. I have that written down as my note, as my high note, or uh, my first note in this game. I know the Bears is a sharp play. I know there's a bit of an overreaction to the Bucks. I know you can fade the recency bias of the Bears, and I know the public is probably going to be on the Bucks. So it's just like I feel, I feel icky uh, liking the Bucks. It hurts so much, yeah. and I told you, Jeff, these are these are the barking dogs. These are the ones you have to pick no. because you feel so ick inside. You want to turn yourself inside out. But the Bears come into Tampa Bay. They're on the road. They're away from home, so they get some of the pressure off. Tampa Bay comes in all high and mighty, beating the Vikings and beating them in Minnesota. Coming in with Baker Mayfield taking over for TB12 and thinking this is going to be another run to the Super Bowl. Where the Bears actually against the Packers, they had some difficult challenges as the game moved on. But the game started off okay. And actually for the first half, the, the game was going okay. So the Bears have a chance to really figure this one out. And I just believe, again, this is one of those segments where you have no public or barely any on the Bears so far as, as we record this this week. And you have three points going to the Bears where this game feels like it's going to be a field goal game either way or less than, in my opinion. My model has it about a one-point game. So I love the plus three points here that we're getting on the Bears. And the fact that they're going down to Tampa, big freaking deal. I've been to the games in Tampa. I've been to Raymond James Stadium. It's not a crazy home field advantage. I don't know how ravenous their their fan base is going to be this year, given the fact that TB's gone and everything like that. And Baker doesn't exactly instill those same kind of nostalgic feelings that say, that say Tom Brady did and some of the other guys. But still, the fact remains that this is the NFL, and the Bears can come down here, say not save their season, but put a stake in the ground and say, hey, listen, we're the Chicago Bears. I know I live in Chicago. I'm not a Bears fan, but I've heard some of the renderings and kind of ramblings around this week, and I believe the Bears are going to show up down there, and I will take that three all day long. And I think the Bears win this game, Jeff. Yeah, one of the edges uh, Florida teams have early in the season and late in the season is just how hot and sticky it is down there. But that edge is kind of neutered because I know Chicago has been just super hot and sticky over the past couple uh, last month. It's been a really hot summer out there in Chicago. So um, that edge is in their favor. So 
Um, I'm a little less into the Bucks after talking to you, but I still I still like how they match up against the Bears, and ultimately it'll just be a stay away because I think betting the Bucks two weeks in a row, especially after again by the numbers, it was the right side, but by the numbers we got a little lucky last week, so I just kind of want to like take my money and like be happy about it, you know. It's a great call, and and I love the fact that you used neutered on the barking dog segment. <laughs> yeah. Well played, yeah. nicely played there, Jeff. But look, the public is just very overweighted right now as we do this for the for the Tampa Bay Bucks, and I understand why they they saw them going to Minnesota. Hopefully, with our recommendation, they put the money on Tampa as well as on the money line as we talked yeah. about. But but they saw them go into a game where they were not supposed to win. Baker Mayfield was supposed to stink. You want to talk about leaving a puddle? On the field, that was supposed to be Baker's role on Saturday, on Sunday afternoon. They did not do that. They beat a team in the Vikings that was supposed to possibly win the NFC North. I don't think that's going to be true. But reality is, the, the 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 fact remains, the Bears are still getting three points. They still have some of that sharp money on there, and I think this, the Bears are going to come up big in this game on Sunday. All right, so going to your final pick here, um, we're on the same side. I've already given my analysis. Talked it talked it over with Dan. Um, so let's just hear your pitch and 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 hear how the uh, how the the Scotty Markets model is sizing up the Chargers at the Titans. Oh, the model! You're looking so beautiful. Tennessee <laughs> plus three, baby, over the San uh, San Diego. My goodness, Los Angeles Chargers. Wait, Shows no, how old I am. We still we still call some people still call it San Diego out here in uh, in Long Beach, California. So hey, man, San Diego Super Chargers is what I would like to call them, Jeff. But yes, Tampa, uh, it's Tennessee oh, three point plus three over the L.A. Chargers. So effectively, what we're getting, we're getting three points. Tennessee at home. Early game, my friends. We've got a 1 p.m. Eastern game in Tennessee. Wait, where the Tennessee is going to? Yes, got to stop it. There. Isn't it Central Time? I always mess this up. I... 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Is it okay? Okay. Yes. 12, 12 noon Central. 1 p.m. Eastern Time. So I guess it's 12 noon in the. In I guess it's 12 noon in the in the Tennessee right. uh, time zone, whatever. But it says it's it's the 1 p.m. slot right on the Eastern Time Zone. Okay. And so you've got Tennessee getting three points against the L.A. Chargers team that are coming in with, look, a little bit of momentum, I guess, and the fact, too, that Tennessee has some question marks. I mean, obviously, they've changed their offense a lot. Tennessee has a lot of things going on with the team that I believe are probably going to be transitory throughout the season as how it how it affects the offense and defense. But you also have just the fact that you have Tennessee coming home to where they can totally open this 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 season and put a stake in the ground. And so I believe that coming in with the Chargers, coming in all the way off the West Coast, for a Sunday afternoon game, the early slot of games, that 1 p.m. Eastern game, 12, p.m., 12 noon Central time, that's a place where the, the Tennessee Titans can at least ride, rise up and take this game. And they're getting three points, but I don't even think they're going to need it. I think they're going to win outright. Yeah, I have the Titans as slightly better than the Chargers on a neutral field, and they're the home team here. Epic, epic coaching mismatch. Um, Brandon Staley, the Chargers coach, is a defensive guy. You guys have heard me say this already, but Brandon Staley's uh, the the Chargers coach is a defensive guy, and the Chargers have had a terrible defense for the last three years. So I'm not sure if he's long for week. the job. Yeah, yeah. I mean, last he, week, in 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 fact, in, in in example. Yeah, and he got absolutely torched by Tua, and Leonard. you could say Tannehill doesn't have the same weapons or the same skill as Tua, but they've been perennially a bad rush defense and. The Tennessee Titans are a terrible team to not to play and not be able to stop the run. So I'm with you on this one. Um, 
Man, hopefully, man, we can make it back-to-back winning weeks here in the Bark and Dog segment because you killed it the first week and really like your energy and your analysis. So, I appreciate it, man. I think we've got a great board in front of us. As we talk to everybody about the, get the best of the line, keep your eye on where some of that money flow is. Keep an eye on where some of those money lines are and, and, and where, the, where, the, where the spreads are as far as how they move with certain uh, monies that come in. And obviously watch some of those key numbers because as we've seen from last week, you get some games that start going our way or going the way that we thought they would, and then they go a different way because of those key numbers. So keep those in mind. But remember, some of these bets that are the hardest ones to make, some of these things that look absolutely terrible, no chance in heck of happening, those are the ones that feel the best when they cash. So just keep those in mind when you put them in the window. Absolutely. And if you and your friends keep agreeing on the same games, maybe you should silently fade your buddies. You know. There you go, man. There you go. That's a good way to do it. All right, man. Well, people can watch you on Fox News and Fox Business, but maybe you can plug some of your other stuff. Where where can people find you, Scotty Markets? Yeah, they can find me on Twitter, at Scotty Markets, man. So just find me on there. I'm on there commentating, talking about markets as far as stocks and bonds and investment funds, and then also sports stuff, too, and music as well. I love music. So please find me on Twitter, at Scotty Markets. All right. Thanks for listening to Outkick Bets uh, podcast. We'll talk to you guys next week. Thanks, Dan and... Scott for helping me out here with my handicapping. But uh, until next week, peace.